Hello, everybody. Um, this is the Scottish Rugby Podcast. This is our Wales uh, v Scotland preview podcast. We're live now for our patrons. So, hello to anybody watching on Facebook or um, on our um, on our secret YouTube channel that we do. This is also available for download afterwards for for audio listeners as well um, on all podcast channels. Um, happy to say we've got John Anderson with us again. Hello, John. Hello, Kat. You know what? You know I love a Friday only fans, mate. So you know I'm here for oh, these. It's always, it's always, always good. Uh, we've also joined us from the Uneducated Rugby Podcast. We've got Karen Harris. Hello, how are you? Hi, hi there, Cammy. Uh, yeah, really good. Really excited to do this. Uh, thanks very much for having me on. No, how do people find that your podcast? What 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 apps and things are you on and social uh, media? Yeah, so um, we've decided to do it purely just audio for the time being. I don't know if that's uh, directive on my front that I'm not going to look good looking enough to be on on video or or anything else but um so anything any good streaming platforms such as Spotify Apple Play those sort of things um yeah just look for an educated rugby podcast I think we did a podcast last night previewing the teams um myself and Lucy Jones and Lucy was very pessimistic and I was a bit more optimistic for a change I was going to say I was listening to that before we came on and you and I'm, I'm I'll come to John in a minute and ask this but you seem more optimistic than I think the the mood I'm picking up from other Welsh fans on social media. So what what kind of what's given you hope? Um, I think I think it's pure blind faith. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing else. I got I gen I think I said it on the podcast. I've got nothing else to base it on other than twenty years of principality faith. Um, it's I I did say as well that I think it's the first time in 20 years i've asked my stepdad every year are we going to beat scotland and every year has been unequivocal yeah 100 easy we'll beat scotland don't worry about it look obviously we've lost a few times but uh this year i asked are we going to beat scotland unequivocal no we are not beating <laughs> scotland and i i did a podcast earlier in the week with uh i think craig and murray anderson craig manson who's been on this pod and i was looking at the teams and it's so well if you were to do a Wales Scotland combined team you'd go fully Scotland pretty much or 10 Scots at least which is a worrying sign for, for Welsh fans yeah we'll, we'll come on the line in a minute John I mean I think we've said in our little group chat we I feel extremely confident but I think Karen's got a point that it's the principality that's the only thing that's kind of stopping me going full out we're going to absolutely smash them is the fact it's at the principality yeah, I, th- I think there's the, the, there's the two two aspects of that. It being at the principality again, I said that the when we were sort of having the debate about whether there would be fans, wouldn't there be fans? Um, I kind of indicated that actually no fans was a benefit for Scotland. So with the principality, the atmosphere and stuff like that, you know, it's it's going to be it certainly gives Wales a lift. Um, the other, the other kind of side of it is that we also had such optimism uh, a few years ago, where and went down and promptly got battered. So the, like for me, classic Scots, um, I like so rationally. For me, we're a better team than Wales. We're a better side than Wales, man for man. We should beat Wales, right? This is again, and I said I spoke about this before England. It's a huge test of this. Scotland team's character to be able to go down to a place like the Principality where they are favourites and they should be winning. And I've talked about it with the, the pro club teams as well. The Scottish mentality was still 
we we need just proof that we are now at that point where we believe we're winners and can win these games. So, um, a huge weekend for Scottish rugby, not just in the context of the Six Nations, but I think this is a crucial match for this generation of players. Actually, and it's as big as that for me. Yeah, if we go at the lineups then, and we'll we'll start at the pack at the front. So we've got uh, Wales got Win Jones, Ryan Elias, or Elias. Am I pronouncing that right? Elias? Elias, Elias, I think it is, yeah. Yeah, and Thomas Francis. And then we've got them up against Pierre Schumann, Stuart McNally, and WP Nell. It's a swap for the Scots bench for starters. Current, how, um, that's quite an experience, apart from a hooker, it's still quite an experienced front row for Wales. Are you, do you know, is the fact that Scotland that maybe you've got old man WP Nell and maybe <laughs> kind of Pierre Schumann, who's, who's relatively new to, um, you know, international rugby is that giving you some reason for hope in the, you know, the first half scrums? Um, no. <laughs> in short, uh, no. I thought I thought personally I'd have started Schumann and Nell against England because I I I I don't I don't know if you've heard on the podcast, but I'm really not a fan of Sutherland and Ferguson. I think both have been shown up as poor scrummages in the past, particularly against Ireland last year and on the Lions tour. Um, I think. Uh, possibly even it's it's worse considering the fact that you've gone with that front row that got away with murder in the last two minutes against England. I didn't even get a response. That was really intention. <laughs> you know, you, you compare you compare obviously whether or not you were lucky in those scrums, but you compare that to Thomas Francis against Ireland, who didn't get a decision for level or money against uh, Andrew Porter in the first 40 minutes. So, yeah, in short, no, it doesn't give me hope. I think I think probably the only hope is uh, George Turner is a better player, in my opinion, than McAnally, although Mac- McAnally's impact off the bench versus George Turner, who would I rather see off, coming off the bench be McAnally? So I'm a bit worried about the last 20 then. Yeah, it's interesting, John, that we switched the bench like this. Now, I think Townsend said it's down to, he's purely said it's just down to the fact that we can, that we've got basically yeah. two top-class front rows and it doesn't really matter who starts at some, you know, WPNL you know, is probably going to end up playing 50 minutes rather than 30, which you probably won't thank Gregor Townsend for. But it's not, Townsend said in the week, this is this is Scotland taking the bomb squad approach. It's just the fact that we've got two bomb squads yeah, and I think Kevin Miller, who's been uh, who writes for the blog and has been on the podcast as well, has affectionately titled them the Bam Squad, uh, <laughs> which I I think I, I I love that, and I think we should definitely get that. Look, I th- I think yeah, absolutely. I think there's there is an element of so for me there's an element of the experience aspect to this coming through as well. I I think Nell, um, I I would. Heavily disagree with you that Sutherland and Fagerson are poor scrimmagers. I think Nell is an exceptional scrimmager, and technically he will paint a picture to the referee that that hopefully will get Scotland on on top. Again, taking into account the crowd, and I think it's just a smart play from Townsend to think about all the variables and say, like, let's get these really experienced players out there. Schumann's going to do what Schumann does. He's going to run about and smash people and carry hard. And he's a strong scrummager as well. Uh, Actually, again, I think Turner off the bench is a really smart play because whilst I think I agree with you, he is the best best hooker on form, certainly. 
I think well we've seen him live, Cammy. He's 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 like a center when he gets going. He's a, he's an yeah. absolute train. So that coming on against maybe some tired tired legs, tired shoulders, you you really wouldn't be thanking uh, thanking the Scotland bench when Turner waltzes on. So yeah. it's a smart. It's, it's it's interesting, but I think I think the Bam squad will, will do fine. Yeah, um, the second row then. Now this is the big thing for Wales. I think Karen is that you've not got Alan Wynne Jones. Yeah, five hundred year old Alan Wynne Jones. Okay. <laughs> well, and and I wonder whether that's indicative of the problem that this Welsh team has. That you've got guys like Ken Owens and Alan Wynne Jones have been around for you know decades almost, yeah. and 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 has that is this kind of the you know Wales as chickens coming home to roost that when these guys are now unavailable, the, the drop off is. Is more significant than it should be if kind of more players have been blooded or had an opportunity. Um, yeah, I think I think that is obviously crucial, um, especially Alan Jones. You could argue some of these players have been sort of blocks, roadblocks in the way of development for some players. Um, the thing with Alan Jones going is that you've also lost Corey Hill and Jake Ball last year because they went to uh, Japan and Australia respectively. So. You're losing what first choice, third choice, and fourth choice, second rows in the space of six months, and then it's really difficult to get those young players in because you look at um, Will Rowlands has come through. Rowlands, he's great for club, great for club, but hasn't quite transitioned into international. Then you've got Seb Davis on the bench, who is a, is a schoolmate of mine, so I can't say any bad words on him. <laughs> but uh, behind him, then you're looking at two 21-year-olds in Shunza and. Ben Carter and Shunza doesn't get in the Exeter team. So it's clear that there's a, a deficiency there in the second rows that needs to be rectified. And possibly this is a good thing going forward to the next World Cup, um, having the chance to blood these younger players in. Yeah. Um, Scotland again, we've got Gil Christian, Johnny Gray, John. I think the, the big there's a big um, challenge, I think, for Grant Gilchrist here for me. I'm not doubt about Johnny Gray, but we've said before on the podcast that Grant Gilchrist has it blows hot and cold a little bit with his yeah, form. Yeah, absolutely. and he had a he had a superb game against England last weekend. I think this is a an opportunity for Grant Gilchrist to show that he can do it across successive games for Scotland. Yeah, yeah, totally agree, Cam. Totally agree. And I think Gilchrist was in there for a very specific reason last week. We knew the English lineout were going to be um, strong. We knew the English mall was going to be strong. And if you know the best defence you can have against the mall is just to stop it at source. And Gilchrist. With, with the way the weather had been predicted to be as well, there was a, an element of just creating that security, knowing that you've got that option uh, of him as probably... God, Edinburgh fans, I do this in these these only fans. Like, I, I actually give Edinburgh fans what they want to hear. Gilchrist <laughs> is probably our best line-out operator. There you are, I said it, guys. Enjoy it. <laughs> Stop the letters now. Um, but I agree, I think form-wise, he does have to... He has to move that forward into this match but and also the challenge he has here is very different i think wales as a if you think about the line out i think wales defensively line out wise are incredibly strong i think adam beard in particular creates absolute havoc mm-hmm. offensively maybe less so and gilchrist might find that actually his role is very different this week so it'll be really interesting to see how it goes. Well, I think speaking of that, because we've got Sam Skinner in the back row now. Now, yeah. there's a lot of people calling for Rory Dodge, a lot of people calling for Magnus Bradbury to come in. And I wonder whether or not the fact that Welsh, Wales line out defensively is so good is why now we've effectively got 
Skinner coming in for Richie because we said on the podcast earlier this week, Richie's a, a very effective line operator. So Scotland effectively are you know, bringing it in a set piece specialist almost to replace Richie. And I think looking at that logic, John, it seems like a fairly straightforward swap. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Skinner was, again, one of the guys that actually when the debate was happening about when we obviously knew very early on that Richie wouldn't be available, um, the chat was Bradbury or do you shut? I think Haining was mentioned as well, which that crazy talk. But anyway, <laughs> um, but Skinner probably does. He still probably doesn't get the respect he deserves amongst the Scotland fans. He's a world class player, and Edinburgh have got themselves an absolute gem. Getting getting him coming up to them next year. He covers both, and he, he you know he's considered. He said himself he considers himself probably more a second row than a back row these days. But he's effective at both. So I think I think it was a really sensible decision because again you've got that line out option, but he is an absolute wrecking ball when it comes mm-hmm. to carrying. So I. Th- I it's a different approach to Richie. I don't think Richie could ever be replaced like for like because I think his skill set is so unique. But you know, like, 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 there's there's many different ways to uh, to, to win a rugby match. So yeah. let's let's go with it. I, I want to talk about Jack Morgan now. I I'm going to confess. I don't. I, I watch I watch the URC. I didn't know much about Jack Morgan. I didn't realise there'd been all this hype around him down in Wales. And I felt quite bad about that until I then checked the URC website to see what stats there were. And he still listed it being at the Scarlets. So look, if, if, the, <laughs> if the official league doesn't know where he plays, then I can't feel too bad about not moving much more. But there is this, this seems to have been a clamour, I think, for a while, Karen, about Jack Morgan being the, you know, the new Sam Warburton and a lot of excitement around him. Is, is he that good? Um, yes. In short, I honestly, I haven't been this excited about a seven in, I don't know how long. I haven't been excited by a Wales debut in this long. I I think the guy is brilliant defensively, especially as a jackler. And you mentioned Sam Skinner, obviously, there. And that is probably one area Wales will look to attack now, especially with Jamie Ritchie being missing, that are Scotland going to be slightly slower to the breakdown? Is there an opportunity for better jackling over the ball than we saw against Ireland? We're certainly hoping that's the case. Um I do worry that the back row is more reactionary than proactive because, you know, last week that the big talk was the breakdown was an issue. We were poor in the breakdown, this, that and the other thing. And actually, if I look at it on paper, I think last week's back row is maybe better suited to face Scotland. And this week's back row is better suited for Ireland in some ways with the added weight to Moriarty. Um, But... I am very excited about Jack Morgan in short. It's just a bit of a surprise that PVAC's made such a big U-turn on a guy who 12 months ago wouldn't get in a game against Canada or Argentina and said that said that his ball carrying wasn't good enough, said that his skill set wasn't what was required for Wales, said you know a lot of things that were highly detrimental to Jack Morgan, really. So it's quite a surprise. I remember when we had a similar thing with Chris Rizzaro, John. Oh, yes. And then Scott Johnson <laughs> just said, do you know what? I'm going to give in to public pressure and just throw him on against England. Yeah, <laughs> just to, I, show, got just one, to prove a point. One cap and it was against <laughs> England. <laughs> I, I, will it, say, I will say Jack Morgan's a different class of player than Chris Rosara, though. 
Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> you're, you're, you're lucky that, that Johnny ah. and Craig aren't here because, you know, Howa Fife, which is his that... hometown club, so we'll, 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 I'll, I'll let it slide. That, 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 I mean, I'll simply say wow just on behalf of them, but I'm not happy been here. It's, it's, it's good. I mean, John, we've not had... It's, you know, Ross Moriarty against Scotland has always raised, I don't know, he's just raised his game against, he always has caused us problems. I think that's, the battle of the back row is going to be interesting. I think Scotland have got the upper hand, but, you know, you just, I think there's, there is an unknown with a debutante because either they rise to the occasion or they find, if, you know, they find it hard. To, it takes a couple of, we know some of, you know, Scottish debutants who t- it takes two, three games before you get used to the pace of international rugby. And Scotland, you know, if I was a, a back row playing now, professional rugby, Scotland is not the game I'd want to make my debut as a young back row forward. I'd rather be maybe Italy. Do you know what I mean? Like, like yes. I said, a summer a summer tour against Canada, yeah. Argentina. You know, it's it's going to take a lot to kind of kind of shift. I think, your, I think your... that's fair because I think the Scotland back row in particular is with Fagerson looking very, very talented last week, I think the Scotland back row is quite settled in the, the way it approaches the game. Um I think also obviously as you know, as a seven, you you will he'll find himself under a lot of pressure from the Scottish front row, surprisingly, is very good over ball. And you know, McAnally and Turner, both former back rows who have played back row for Scotland. Um, there's a lot of jackal options, there's a lot of breakdown options. And I think, um, obviously, as part of a you know, coming, coming in as a young lad into a back row that maybe got absolutely well, I say maybe he's got absolutely yeah. smashed by Ireland at the, at the breakdown last week. There's a lot of pressure on that, and then. Townsend's bench, which we'll probably come on to, it's not made any easier for them because you've got Bradbury who offers something very different, and Rory Darch who is just lighting things up. He's you know he's he's our version of well probably, yeah. uh, you know he's he's been absolutely tearing up trees and is a complete nuisance at the break. So it's a very tough match to make your make your debut i agree if you wanted if you were to cherry pick a match it would be canada at home in a summer tour <laughs> but you know it um, was it, it was baffling why he didn't get selected but you, you mentioned there obviously that S- scotland have got some good jacklers over the ball and the one thing i would say with jack morgan is he's not known for his attacking qualities or his clear out qualities it's his defensive he's an old class seven but the sort of McCall Pocock Warburton era as opposed to the modern brand of Watson and and co so um that could be a problem definitely we forgot to mention Darcy Graham as a jackler as well John (laughs) well you know I was given that I was given the forwards of love because we haven't quite got to the backs but obviously you know we'll get there well let's move to the let's let's move I mean I I don't know how much time to spend on nine and ten I mean um I forgot Nip. Is it um who who've Wales got at nine? Thomas Thomas Williams. Which uh, you've I mean you Wales seem to be struggling, Carbon, about scrum halves at the minute. It's kind of to settle on a scrum half at the minute. Who's who's first choice for you at the moment for Wales? Uh, is it Thomas? Th- Th- Thomas is first choice. He's got the most potential. He's got all the potential in the world. Honestly, the guy has so much potential. He either does one of two things, which Ireland last week he didn't try enough, 
and then normally he tries too much. He tries out the back offloads X factor every, you know, I think uh, Jonathan Davis Jiffy, the commentator, called him X Factor. And ever since then, he's tried X Factor plays every single play. And I, I would like to see him take that to the next level, the level that Ali Price has taken it. But I don't think it's coming anytime soon. And with the likes of Hardy and Gareth Davis, unfortunately, their form this year for Scarlet hasn't been where it should be or where we'd want it to be. So that's why they're definitely second to their choice currently. Yeah, I mean, he's a scrum half, Thomas Williams. For me, he still plays like you. You you see him play, and you think, "Oh, there's a, an up and coming twenty one year old who's yeah. got a." He's twenty seven. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's he's right. He's right in that George Horn world of you think he he plays like a kid with all the stupidity that comes with that, frankly. But then you forget that he actually is in the Premier's career and should be doing much more. And uh, yeah, and when then, Gareth Davis is your option, then to be fair though, John Ali Price turned that round within a season. I think that's the that's the yeah. issue. You, know, you look you look at where Ali Price was out of form and he you know put on a load of a load of weight and he's admitted that himself. Yeah. And then a season later, he's you know within the space of a season, he turned it round and he was Lions starting nine. I I I, th- I, th- I agree. I think there was a season where it really turned around for Ali Price, but I think there was enough there in terms of you could see there was a maturity, there was development, there was building blocks that you could start to see the makings of a Lions scrum half. Maybe not, to, like, I think that year there was such a meteoric change in his game that we were all very taken back. And that can happen, and I'm not saying for a second that uh, Thomas Williams won't have that. I just, when I watch him, if you compare maybe a couple of seasons ago, Ali Price to Thomas Williams, the, the those silly mistakes, I still would feel he looked younger. And, yeah. But he's, he's a great player and he can turn it on. And that's the thing. Like Hey, Michelle makes a great point on the uh, Facebook page. Is, um, of course, Ali Price was mentored by Greek. Of course. So that's that's what Thomas is missing. His, his own Greg Greg Laidlot. Uh. <laughs> his, own rug, his own rugby Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if there's much we can say about Finn and Ali Price, John. Other than was we, you know, we know what's coming. I mean, to a certain extent, Wales know what's coming as well, and they're going to stretch them with box kicking and kicks to the backfield. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think again, this is it's a really big opportunity for Scotland to lay down that marker. Bigger was obviously the the starting ten for the Lions, so you know there's, there's still there's maybe a little bit of unfinished business there. I think Finn Russell, a big big performance from Russell, would hopefully just maybe silence the last of those uh, crowing doubters uh, that think Bigger's a better player. Yeah, and then so centres then we've got uh, Nick Tompkins and Owen Watkin for Wales, and then we've got. See only two Pelotu and Chris Harris. We'll come on to Scotland in a minute. Um, the the Welsh centres, Carwin, has been a again a lot of chopping and changing in Wales. It's quite <laughs> kind of hard to know who who Wales Wayne Pivak sees as his central centre appearance. Yeah, I I don't have anything positive to offer here. <laughs> you mentioned the start had positivity. Um, I think the issue with. Wales at the moment is I think our first choice personally, my uh, my first choice centres would be Hallahollow and North. North's obviously injured, Hallahollow's been injured, coming back and that's, there's a combination there, you can see the plan, you've got a big ball carrier who's also got quite good hands, you've got an outside centre with real gas and big power but you currently got two centres who well, 
Watkins a fairly big man, but not a big man. Tomkins is a small man, and neither have the gas to play 13. So you've got these sort of 12 and a halves, really. Yeah. And like you compare that to Ireland last week, who had a big ball carrier and an outside centre. And I said this on our podcast that possibly Ireland will be better going forward without Robbie Henshaw because you've got a better combination with a ball carrying 12 and a pacey 13. And I think that's what Scotland have this week, which is scaring the living daylight out of me. Because I, I don't know if you've seen the stat. Um, Russ Petty put a stat, I think, uh, yeah. that she only to eat below two's played twice against Welsh regions this year. has got over 100 metres made, nine defenders beaten, three tries. And, you know, one of those games was against Owen Watkin at 12. So it's not it's not bearing well, I'll tell you that. <laughs> was that the one that Owen Watkin decided to channel his inner super rugby and tackling optional approach. <laughs> yeah, it might have been, yeah. <laughs> the interesting thing, though, I suppose, John Wissione, is he's only just started playing 12 for Glasgow recently, and he's slotted in at 12 for Scotland. Kind of, he came over and played a lot of 13. Um, I don't know what he did previously when he was, he was in Japan, of course, and surely before that, but I mean, he, he slotted in fairly comfortably at 12 for... Um, you know, for, for Wales, so it's for Scotland, sorry. So it's going to be interesting to see how we translate that. I mean, he finished the game there against England, and I think the fact I didn't notice he was on the pitch, I knew he'd come on, but I think the fact that there was no noticeable drop in the Scottish defensive effort kind of makes me feel quite confident about him slotting in this weekend. Yeah, there's there's much to be actually in, at Glasgow as to what his best position is because when he first came over, he started at 13, as you rightly say. Uh, and he looked he looked pretty good there. Certainly, his attacking lines fantastic. Um, to see him at twelve, um, there maybe had been a wee bit of defensive naivety, but uh, you know, there's almost like maybe the way Scotland play suits that because you've got Harris just organising the defence outside him. So, two Polotos kind of given a wee bit more free reign just to get hand on ball and go and go and truck it up. I think. Certainly, it speaks to uh, quite a direct game plan to start off with. Um, but yeah, he's he's been a very very good find. And he, he, uh, I was listening to uh, it was the it was one of the, one of the Glasgow Warriors podcasts. You know, they have they've got about seven million of them now that all have different names. And it was Ross Thompson was saying that Tupelo has one of the best short kicking games he's ever seen in terms of those little grubbers, the little chip kicks, and it's not something we've seen from him yet, mm. but he says in training, just the things this guy can do with boot to ball is incredible. So it'll be really interesting to see if we if we see that this week, or if we will just see the, the wrecking ball trucking it up. Um, I think from a Welsh perspective, you, you missed out one key, pace, uh, key, key positive, <laughs> um, is that you've at least picked centres this week. <laughs> yeah well uh, although i think they're two twelves, but yeah yeah sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. but know, it's better we, than a 14 no very yeah. sure i think i think we saw last year didn't we with uh watkin wasn't he skinned on the outside by hog when hog, yeah. uh, scotland had six in the backfield versus wales is seven and we still couldn't match up so <laughs> i think there's a bit of a worry there but i, I i'm 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 hoping that Wales don't fall into the trap. You mentioned about trucking it up, that, you know, Scotland fake that play of just trucking it up and then play out the backfield crossfield kick to do Anne van der Merwe. I'm hoping that Wales manage to keep their width, but, but well, maybe we'll have Ryan Elias up against uh, Darcy Graham on the other, <laughs> other wing. <laughs> 
Um, I'm, I'm conscious of time, and I know John's got an all-day breakfast to get to. So um, <laughs> the the way I'm, I'm, we know what's coming with with the Scotland back three. I want to talk about the Welsh back three because Alex Cuthbert is it what six? How many years? Six years or something? Or is it yeah, not quite as long since since he's played for Wales? Lewis Summit and you know, and I think Liam Williams they picked themselves, but that's an interesting selection, Colin. Has there been anything about that come up from the campus to why he's back? Well, yeah, I think I think there's been a lot of comments on how well he's trained. I, I know training is not the be all and end all, it's what you do on the pitch, and he has been performing well for, for Ospreys. And it's worth saying that if you've played for Exeter and then gone to the Ospreys, you've clearly improved your defence, and that's that, that, that was the key point that was much maligned with Cuthbert before but the word is that he's trained very well he's performing very well in training and compared to someone like McNichol who's a bit hot and cold he's very steady hands now uh I personally would have gone with Owen Lane but Owen Lane wasn't selected in the squad for whatever reason um so is is he as much of a worry as he was six years ago defensively no but I don't think he's the attacking prospect he was six years ago either. So it's a bit more of a steady Eddie selection than anything. OK, I'm going to put you both on the spot now. Carwin, what, what, what's your prediction for the for the result this weekend? I'm going to go with blind faith. Um, okay. I, think, <laughs> I, think, I think Wales can pull off a result. It's going to need a very defensive effort, though. I think Jack Morgan could be crucial to that. Um, so I'm going to go... I'll I'll go with Wales twenty four Scotland twenty one. It'll be tight either way. I think. Oof. Okay, John. Yeah, uh, I think the the principality will play its play its part, but I, ultimately I think Scotland are too strong. I think they're too streetwise for Wales, and the as long as as long as there's no absolute catastrophes and no silly red cards, then I, I can see us winning comfortably. Um, could could be could be seven points, could be ten points. Um, so I, I, yeah. I can see us winning quite comfortably. I, I'm going to go on five. Sorry, I'm going to go with John on this. I think I, think <laughs> I, I, I didn't see, think I was going to win. <laughs> I think we get tight, tight to the last 20 minutes, and then I think so. The, the Scottish bench and Finross, I think it should be too much for for Wales at that point. But we'll see. We'll see because we'll we don't, like I said, the principality factor. Well, Colin, thank you very much for joining us. No, it's been a pl- pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah. And trying to, in your words, make sense of the whale selection, which yeah. is almost impossible. <laughs> uh, John, thank you as always. We're back. Pleasure, pleasure, Camp. Back with the normal podcast Wednesday night, 8 30 pm live um, and available afterwards on audio podcasts. Um, for the moment, though, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from John and Carmen. Cheers, all. So long. <laughs>